Awesome church, awesome church. We love it. Well, hey, I told you that we had a treat for you tonight, and uh, we're not going to disappoint. I'd like to introduce you to my friend, Pastor Oliver Locke. Can you guys give him a little bit of love tonight? <laughs> Absolutely. This guy right here is awesome. Let me tell you, Pastor Oliver got to start with us as an intern, did his intern with, did internship with us and did such an amazing job that we just couldn't let him go. So we said, please let us hire you. Please stay. And he graciously accepted. Uh, Oliver's working title is, let me see if I get this right, the pastor of multi-site community and discipleship. Did I get it? Slash social media director. Throw that in there too. So we often tease Oliver. He gets the prize for the one on staff that has the longest working title out of, out of any of us. But at the Valley, we don't get to see Oliver. Oliver as much because he's really involved in helping us get our new campuses off the ground and up and running and things like that. But I'll tell you what, this gentleman right here has got a word for you tonight. He's been working on it. God's been stirring in his heart and he's got some amazing gifts, but you'd be hard pressed to find anyone as genuine as, as Oliver. He's just such a kind hearted person. So would you just give him some more love tonight and honor him tonight and how you respond to his message? Take it away, man. We love you. Awesome. Well, like Pastor Andy said, my name's Oliver, and I recently came on staff here at King's Church. And with my role, it's been really cool working with such incredible leaders. Like, I have learned so much over the last few months. It's been so cool getting to work alongside Pastor Greg, who has just done an amazing job working and setting up our community groups and our red shirt team and our missions committee. And Pastor Greg works behind the scenes a lot of the time, but I really want to give him some honor this morning just for all the amazing work that he does. So can we honor Pastor Greg? It's awesome. And it's been so cool in my role with discipleship to get to be part of the conversations with Pastor Brent and the team about how as a church we can help disciples grow closer to Jesus. And it has just been so encouraging. And that's really what we're going to be talking about in the next month, starting next week with our new Grow series, is how to grow closer to Jesus. And so it has just been so encouraging hearing Pastor Brent's heart for us as a church, how we can grow. And so I just want to thank you, Pastor Brent, for leading this church and for leading me. It's awesome. Yeah, so I started on staff here at King's Church back in May, and I got married at the end of June, and so it's been a wild ride for me the last few months. Actually, my wife Lindsay is here, and there's a picture of her up on the screen, and we actually met while we were at Kingswood University, and she works there now. I look so happy in that picture. I love it. <laughs> so she works at Kingswood now, and she has such a cool job. She gets to travel all over North America, talking to students who feel called by God to be leaders in the next generation of his church, and so that is just such a cool job. So, you know, we've been learning to do this whole marriage thing, and we've been learning to live in each other's space, and we've been learning to how our schedules and routines fit together, and how sometimes they don't fit together. And, you know, have you ever noticed that there's different bits of information that we're ready to share with other people? So, like, like I love to cook, and, and so the other night I was making risotto, because I think I'm some kind of foodie or whatever, but, like, I was looking at the recipe, and there's only calling for one cup of rice, and so I'm like, that's not going to be enough food for both of us, and so I just doubled the recipe, and I don't know if you ever made rice, but I made the rookie mistake, and I ended up with this giant pot of rice, and so it's just funny, right, because Lindsay has all these things she's been teaching me, especially, like, when it comes to the kitchen, let's be honest, she just knows more than me. But there's part of me that, that just doesn't want to hear it. So I don't know, like, any other guys in the room. Like, there's just this stubborn part of me that doesn't want to be told what to do. And there's part of all of us that isn't really ready to be told what's best for us, right? But what's funny is that there's all kinds of things that we're ready to give our opinion to other people on, right? So, like, every sports fan, you know, they're ready to tell their friends that their sports team is the best. 
Or like, my friends, I have this, a bunch of friends on Facebook that are doing these new workout routines and doing these new diets. And like, my whole Facebook news feed is full of these giant posts of them talking about how they did a beach body workout that, that morning and they drank a Shakeology shake for breakfast. And like, I'm happy for you. That's awesome that you're getting in shape. But like, I don't need these massive posts every day in Facebook telling me about it. But I mean, okay, fine. Like, it is, it's a good thing that they share that kind of stuff. I get it because, like, they've experienced something good and they want me and the people they love to experience, to experience something good too. And it's funny, like, there's different things that we're, like, easy to share about, but some things are harder. And, and so my question for this this morning is, like, if Jesus is really the best thing that has ever happened to us, if our lives have really been changed by Jesus, why are we so uncomfortable sharing him with other people? Like, why are we so nervous or afraid of sharing the gospel? And I know I get it. It's like, I've been friends with this person for so long. And so if I start talking about Jesus now, like, and I start saying, you know, we're all sinners and Jesus is the only way to deal with their sin problem. What if they reject me? And then I lose that friendship and it just gets awkward or... Or at work, right? Like, I know there's coworkers I should be sharing with, and, like, maybe you're a nurse, and it's like, well, if I share with that person, they reject it. Like, I have to walk past them at the nurse's station every day. Or maybe you're a business uh, businessman, and it's like, if I share with that person, they reject it. Like, I might lose a business opportunity. But then, more seriously, a lot of us have family members that we know desperately need to hear about Jesus, and we're afraid that if they reject us, like... We, if we lose that relationship, you know, friends come and go, but family's forever. And, you know, I'm going to see them at Christmas every year, and that's just going to be so awkward. What we're really afraid of is rejection. And so I, I just want to take away a bit of the shame or the fear. Like, you're not weird if you feel like this. Like, you're not the only person in this room who has a hard time sharing their faith. Like, I am in the same boat most of the time. And so I just want to dispel that shame. And also, like, a lot of us are just afraid of not knowing what to say. Like, maybe you feel like, I don't know how to clearly articulate the gospel. Or, you know, what if someone asks me a question I don't know how to answer? Like, what if they ask me about the Bible and evolution? Or, you know, maybe it's not even, like, a big theological issue. It's just, like, how do you actually get on the subject of Jesus? How do you make that transition? Because 99% of the time, they're not going to bring it up. It's going to have to be us who brings it up. And so a lot of us are crippled from sharing our faith because we don't know what to say or are afraid of being rejected. And so the question today is, how do we overcome our fear of sharing the gospel? And I believe that in our time together today, God is going to teach us through his word. And he's actually going to fill us with the boldness and with the courage to passionately share with other people about Jesus so that they can experience the same love and freedom and joy and peace that we have experienced. And we've got to, like, the world needs us to tell them about Jesus. Like, our friends and family and coworkers, they desperately need to hear about Jesus. This world is a broken place full of broken people. Like, nobody's going to deny that. If you look at the news, there's, there's wars and there's famine and there's racial tensions and there's violence. And, and we see brokenness in the lives of the people we love, too, right? Like, we could all easily name right now three people who we know that are broken and need to hear about Jesus. Maybe it's your aunt who is facing depression and she just can't find a way out. Or maybe it's, you know, your son who you actually had to kick out of home because he keeps coming home drunk and keeps coming home high on drugs. Or, or maybe it's your friend on your sports team who's talking about cheating, with their, or cheating on their wife. Like, we all know people who are broken 
and need to hear about Jesus. And people try to deal with their brokenness in all kinds of different ways, right? Like they seek after fame and fortune and money and success, or they seek after a relationship to try to fulfill them, or they try to self-medicate with drugs and alcohol, but these things they find can't fix their brokenness. And people don't realize that it's sin that's caused their brokenness. And until they deal with their sin issue, they won't be able to deal with those other issues. These people we love desperately need us to show them that Jesus is the only one who can solve these brokenness issues. And church, we've got like an incredible hope. We've got this incredible story that Jesus is actually king, and as king, he is restoring this broken world to wholeness. And that's the story of the book of Acts, is Jesus' disciples going over the whole world, bringing that message. And so we've been studying through the book of Acts for like a year and a half now. And so if you're just jumping new with us, or maybe you're checking us out online, like I want to give you a little recap to bring you up to speed. And so Pastor Brent actually started this series summarizing the book of Luke, because the book of Luke is the book that Acts is the sequel to. And so, so Luke starts out with Jesus reasserting himself as king. And so since God created the world, he has been king And then he created us, humans, to rule underneath him and bring good governance to the world. But we wanted to be our own kings, so we kind of asserted ourselves and rebelled against God, and we thought we were being kings, but actually, we were obeying the will of the devil, who is a real spiritual being who also wants to be king. And so, the Bible's this whole, like, cosmic drama of who gets to be king. And we read all through the Old Testament these stories of When humans try to be king, all this death and pain and suffering comes as a result. But we also read that God is bringing a Messiah, someone set apart by him to reassert his kingship and to show what humanity is like when they live under the full reality that God is king. And so that's the story of the book of Luke. In this whole like cosmic drama, Jesus shows up on the scene and he demonstrates that he is king. He shows he has authority over nature by calming the storm. He has authority over demons by casting them out. He has authority over sickness by healing it. He has authority even over sin by forgiving it and over death by coming back to life. Jesus is king. And as king, he invites us into his kingdom, which is good news. That is the gospel, is that Jesus is king. And as king, he's a better ruler than any of us ever could be. Then we get to the book of Acts. And so Pastor Brent started this series talking about how in the book of Acts, Jesus sends out his disciples and he says, all right, guys, you're up. I'm going back to heaven. You take this message all over the world and tell people that I am king. And so we see that happening. And then it eventually gets Paul arrested. And then he shipped off to Rome to face trial in front of Caesar, who appeared to be king of the world. And so you would think in that circumstance, Paul would be afraid to share the gospel But actually, he's not. And if we look in chapter 28, we're going to see how Paul overcame the fear of sharing the gospel. And so if you have a Bible today, one of our ushers can give you one if you don't have one. But if you open up to Acts chapter 28, we're going to start at verse 14. So it's on the screen for you if you don't have a Bible. And so we'll jump right in. Verse 14. And so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Apias and the Three Taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. My first point today is that to overcome the fear of sharing the gospel, we need each other. 
The very first thing Paul did when he was arriving in Rome was hang out with other Christians. They encouraged each other and strengthened each other. And before he reached out to the world, he reached into community. Now, the church isn't meant to be a community that's just like focused on ourselves and inwardly focused, but we're actually meant to be a community that supports each other and helps each other grow so that we can go out on mission together. And one of the best ways we can gain courage sharing the gospel is by doing it with a partner. When Jesus sent out his disciples in Luke chapter 10, he sent them out two by two. He didn't send them alone. And all throughout the book of Acts, Paul is always showing this model of traveling with a companion. He had Silas and Barnabas and Timothy. And I found that true in my own life. So last January, me and my friend Zach, he did an internship here too. We just went uptown to try to find people to share the gospel with. So like neither of us would have done this on our own. But because we were there to encourage each other, we just went for it. And we get there and we're talking to this guy for like an hour and a half. It was crazy. Like God had just been preparing his heart. He was desperate to hear about Jesus. And it was so cool because as the conversation went on, like he would say something that Zach would have a great answer to, or he would say something that I would really relate with. And because Zach and I were there as partners, we were actually more effective at sharing the gospel with this guy. And another way that we need each other is that we actually need training. Like I said before, one of the reasons we're afraid is we feel like we wouldn't know what to say. And so, like, obviously I can't give you today an answer for, like, every question someone's going to ask you, and I wouldn't have the answers anyway. But one thing you can always say, and you can try this, is, like, you know what, I don't know the answer to that question, but I would love to look into it, and would you be open to setting up a time where we can get back together and, you know, open up the Word and and see what God has to say about that, that question? Here's a crazy statistic for you. Among young adult, unchurched Canadians, 51% of them, if a friend asked them to study the Bible together, would say yes. That's half. Like half of people, if you ask them, hey, do you want to study the Bible together? Would say yes. That's crazy. People are way more open than we realize. And here's another thing people, we worry about, right, of not knowing what to say is, I don't know how to share the gospel. And so I just want to give you like a super easy Method or just this cool tool that you can use to share the gospel if you have an opportunity. And so it's called the three circles, and it, and it goes like this. Wherever we look in our world, we see brokenness. And, you know, our world is imperfect, and we all as individuals are broken and imperfect as well. But when God created the world, that wasn't his intention. That wasn't his desire. God actually has a perfect design, And in that perfect design, there's no pain, there's no suffering, there's no death, and we're in perfect relationship with him. And that is what it looks like when God is king. But the Bible says that we actually left that perfect design and entered this world or made this world broken because of sin. And sin is just anything that goes against God's perfect design, against his will, which basically is, you know, us trying to be our own little kings. And so we're all broken, right? And we all try to escape brokenness in different ways. Some of us, you know, we go after fame and fortune and success. Some of us look for fulfillment in relationships. And some of us, you know, we even go after religion and just trying to be a good person. But what we find is on our own, we can never escape brokenness. But God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to stay there. He provided a way for us to be rescued from our brokenness. Jesus, who is actually God, the Son, he came to earth as a man, and he did what we could never do. He lived a perfect life, and he died on a cross, taking our brokenness onto himself. And then three days later, he came back to life to demonstrate that he is actually king. And he says that 
all we have to do to enter into his kingdom is to one, turn away from our sin, and to two, to follow him, which basically means to make him our king. And if we do that, he will help us to grow to be more like Jesus and to more and more every day in this life live out God's perfect design. And then when we die forever with him, we will fully experience the reality of God's perfect design. And the last thing is that Jesus commands his followers to actually go back into the broken world and tell other people about him. And so everyone in this room today, everyone tuning in online, everyone around the world is either in this circle of brokenness or they're in the circle of Jesus' kingdom. And where would you say you are today? And so when you ask this, a lot of people will say they're in the circle of brokenness. Some people might say they're like on some spiritual journey looking for something. But you can ask them, is there any reason today for you to not make Jesus your king and to come into his kingdom? And so that's just a practical way that you can share the gospel. And what's, what's tough is, right, even if you do that, the transition is really the hard part. That's the awkward part, is like, how do we actually get to this, right? Like, how is this conversation going to go? We can all do small talk for days, but it's the transition that's the tricky part. And the reality is, 99% of the time, we're going to have to be the ones to bring up Jesus. Like, sometimes we have this notion that, like, if we're a really good person, eventually our friends will notice and be like, what's so different about you? And we'll be like, it's Jesus. And they'll be like, oh, all right, sign me up. Like, I don't know, if that's ever happened to you, that's amazing, but literally, like, that almost never happens. And so the reality is, like, we just have to get up the courage and be bold and just be awkward and, and bring it up. And what's cool about the three circles is that it starts with brokenness. And I don't know about you, but in my day-to-day -day life, people are always ranting and complaining about what's wrong with the world, right? And so that's a really natural way to transition into talking about brokenness and how God's solution for brokenness. But always, there's no way around it. The transition is always awkward. And so that brings us to our second point is that we just, we need to be ready for rejection. We need to be prepared for rejection. Like your fears about being rejected, they're kind of legitimate. Like people are going to reject you, but it's really not that big of a deal. Like people won't normally reject you as a person. They're just rejecting the message about Jesus. So let's look at how Paul faced rejection. So jumping back in at verse 16, it says... When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar." I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It's because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. And they replied, we haven't received any letters from Judea concerning you. And, and none of our people who have come from there have reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are. For we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning until evening. Now, most of you are hoping that I don't preach that long today, and, and so am I. But uh, ex explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. 
They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to you, to your ancestors, when he said through, the, through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. So earlier, I was talking to you about sharing your faith with people you know, your family and your friends and your coworkers. And that's awesome. And like when Paul led people to Christ in the book of Acts, oftentimes they would end up leading their whole family or their whole social network to Christ. So like the gospel often moves through relationships because there's already that natural connection there. But what I want you to see in this passage is that you don't have to wait when you meet someone new to share the gospel. Like the longer you wait, actually, the more awkward it will become. Notice that Paul didn't spend weeks and months and years with these people trying to get to know them and to be a good person so that hopefully one day they would ask him about his faith. Some of you may have heard this idea that you need to earn the right to share the gospel. And I just want to tear down that lie because it breaks my heart because it has crippled the church from sharing their faith. Look, you don't need to earn the right to share the gospel. Jesus already did that when he died and came back to life. The passage says they hadn't even heard of Paul. They have no idea if he's a good person or not. So, like, I'm not saying go and be a bad person. And I'm not saying that building a relationship with people is bad. Like, when it comes down to it, being a bad person will discredit the message. But being a good person will not replace the message. The reality is, is that not everyone's ready to follow Jesus. And in the past, sometimes, I felt like you know, I shared the gospel with someone and they didn't accept it. I felt like I had failed. Like, oh man, I should have worked harder at softening their hearts. But the reality is only God can soften people's hearts. A book that Pastor Brent has been really influenced by and the, the thinking that King's Church has been influenced by talks about this idea of red apples and green apples. Some people are ready to submit their lives to Jesus. They're ripe for the harvest. They're red apples. Like God has been drawing them. But other people just aren't ready they're not ripe. They're green apples. One thing the author writes is, is if you can't pick the fruit, don't bruise it. So like, I'm not telling you to go and be a jerk and like get a megaphone and go stand on the street corner. But, but sometimes like green apples, they just need some time and they just need the right conditions for God to soften their heart. So if you encounter someone who's a green apple, if you boldly share your faith with them and they're not ready to receive it, like that's okay. Like you can move on. Like and, and really, it's not that big of a deal normally in a conversation, right? So you get talking to this person, you do the transition, you start talking about God and his perfect design and Jesus, and they're like, hey, man, that might be great for you, but it's just not for me. All right, like, you're allowed to believe whatever you want. Like, it's, really, it's normally not that big of a deal. But I know, like, for some of us, we might share the gospel with one of our family members, and when we find that one of our family members is a green apple, they're just not ready like, that's a lot harder. And, and we might have to wait and pray for, for a long time for the right moment when God will soften their heart. And like I said before, normally when people reject you, they won't totally, like, disown you. They're just rejecting Jesus. And so I, want just, I just want to give you permission to be rejected. You haven't failed. Like, it's going to be okay, and, and it's not the end of the world. And actually, there's this movement in the U.K., 
And they're just radically going out and sharing their faith with people. And they're actually finding about 6% of the people that they share with accept Jesus. Like 6%, that's crazy. Like that's way more than I would have expected. And so I got thinking like in the valley and in St. John, there's about 100,000 people. So like if we manage to share the gospel with all of those people, we might see 6,000 people put their faith in Jesus. Like, that's amazing. Like, I want to be part of a movement like that. But the thing is, are we willing to be rejected by the 94% in order to find the 6%? So, like, if you go and share your faith with five people every week, it would take about half a year to share with 100 people. Would you be willing for half a year, over and over, to be rejected by 94 people in order to find six people that put their faith in Jesus? I mean, like, when's the last time I led six people to faith in half a year? Like, that's amazing. I want to be part of that. Like, that sounds exciting. And that's what's so cool is, is our third point is we should be focused on the red apples. So let's jump back into the passage. At, at verse 30, it says, For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who would come see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. People were open to Jesus. And now in this story, like the people came to Paul, but that wasn't his normal pattern in Acts. Normally he went to the people, but he was on host arrest this time. But again, we see they didn't necessarily know Paul. He just boldly proclaimed that Jesus is king and people were red apples. People were ready to receive it. And the thing is, it's like, God uses all kinds of different things to soften people's hearts. So, like, sometimes God does miracles. And when, when someone is healed, like, it's impossible to deny that God is real, that he cares for them, and that he's king. And people are often drawn to him through that. Also, when there's brokenness that comes into people's lives, you know, they might be thinking, oh, they're walking along and, you know, life was going perfect, but then all of a sudden this boulder fell in my life, and they realize their brokenness, and they come to a point where they realize they can't do it on their own. They come to a point where they realize they've reached the end of their rope and they can't escape their brokenness on their own and they need something outside themselves. And they realize that they need God. And maybe for some of us, like, that was our story. Like, you came to the end of your rope in your marriage and you realized that you couldn't fix it on your own. You needed Jesus to bring you two back together. Or for some of you, you may have struggled with an alcohol addiction. And for years, you couldn't overcome it. But because you started coming to Celebrate Recovery, and like so many people who come to Celebrate Recovery, you found hope and healing and freedom through Jesus. But maybe for some of us, that's still your situation right now. Maybe you haven't decided to follow Jesus. You haven't submitted your life to him as king. And maybe you've come to the end of yourself. Recently, you've realized, like, I'm at the end of my rope. I can't do this on my own. I've tried all these different ways to fix my brokenness, but it hasn't worked. And maybe today, you're realizing, I'm ready to reach out to God. And I'm ready to recognize that I need him. And, and 
God is drawing you. You can feel him softening your heart. And he wants to give you new life. He wants to show you a new way to live, a life of hope and of joy and of healing, of peace and of surrender. And he's inviting you saying, come and come into my kingdom, make me king. It won't always be easy, but it will always be worth it. And I'll free you from from your guilt and shame that has been weighing you down. And I'll give you a taste of wholeness and goodness right now in this life. And then even more forever with me. There are two kinds of people, I think, today that are hearing this. And for one of us, you're following Jesus, but you've been held back from sharing your faith. Maybe it's been, you know, fear of not knowing what to say or fear of rejection. But God is working in you. And right now he's bringing to mind people who you love, people in your life who you know desperately need to hear about Jesus. And right now you need to write down, write down those names and make a commitment to do something about it. God is actually burdening your heart for people who are far from him. And he's giving you this desire to tell people about Jesus. And, and that's really where I'm at. Like, I found myself in that same spot where I am afraid to share the gospel. I'm afraid of rejection. But God has just given me a burden for people who need him. And, and we, together, we need to make a commitment. We need to find a time this week. They need to hear about Jesus. We need to plan it. We need to figure out what we're going to say. We need to practice the three circles. Call them up. Take them out to lunch. I don't know. Whatever it takes, they need to hear about Jesus. A lot of us here today, we need to overcome our fear and we need to share the gospel. And so if that's you, if that's you today, I want to invite you to pray this with me. God, would you break our hearts for people who are far from you and give us the boldness and the courage to share you with other people. Lord, with people in our lives who we love and with new people that we meet, And Holy Spirit, would you soften their hearts for when we share with them this week? God, make them red apples. Make them ready to receive you, Jesus. Lord, we want to be used by you. Lord, we commit. We will be your messengers in this broken world. In the name of Jesus, amen. Then there's a second group today. And you've been listening to this message and you've been thinking, this isn't really for me. Like, why would I care about sharing my faith if I haven't decided to follow Jesus yet? And maybe right now, you're sensing God softening your heart. You're sensing God drawing you. And all of a sudden you're realizing, recently I have come to the end of my rope. I've realized I can't fix this brokenness on my own. And you're realizing, I'm ready to stop living with myself as king. And I'm ready to make Jesus king. And all he wants from you today is your faith, your trust. All he wants is your complete surrender of your whole life to him. Now, it, it, it is a free gift that you can't earn, but it will cost you everything. And you are ready to give him everything. So if that's you today, Why don't you repeat this prayer after me? It's not a magical formula. I just want to help guide you to express your surrender to Jesus as your new king. And so if that's you today, repeat this after me. Jesus, for so long, I've been living with myself as king. But I submit to you as king. 
Forgive me of everything I've done wrong. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the power to live out your will for my life. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, after the band plays this song, you need to come forward and talk with one of our prayer team members. Like We need to pray with you and celebrate with you and help you live out this new life that you're entering. And so for all of us, let's stand and let's use this song, the words of the song to express to God and respond to what he's doing in this moment.